Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's always you can always spot the drummer on a nudist beach, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his sticks out. <laughs> nice, uh, especially ones that play cricket. And the, uh, hey, the yeah, uh, this is the stick up. Yeah. Coming up on today's show, we've got Nick D from Echo Park and Stone Dogs. And also, is there a doctor in the house? Of course, we've got Peter Davison, Doctor Who from the 80s, now in the 21st century. And also Fred Kublikowski, unknown to some, but he is the event producer, the big honcho who makes Sprawl Festival work its little merry ass off. Right here on New Zealand Entertainment Podcast. And uh, Jared, we're going to spark up the old Rachel. Nah, that's okay. No, the headphones are uh, off today. We're going off. This is Rachel, the Casio tone. Use this for introducing music, introduction music for the guests, which today is Mr. Nick D from Echo Park. From Echo Park, and he's also from Stone Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you? What are you doing? Which band are you playing in? (laughs) Which cricket team are you playing in? Yeah. Who are you backing? Who are you backing? All right, intro music, please, Jared. What have we got? Something original. Um, Something with a bit of a a beat or or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there we go. Bit of warning there. It was so good the first time, we're going to introduce him again. Mr. Nick D from Echo Park. How are you going there, Nick? We're going into Sesame Street theme song right now. How to get, how to get. How's that? Right, man, I try to lock it up for you. Um, can you tell me how to get, how to get to the World Cup cricket? Mm. A lot, lot of, lot of uh, ball sports going on at the moment. Eh? There are tons of them going on. Across the road, really. Yeah, well, we've got uh, a bit of rugby going on. But uh, Mr. Nick D, you're a musician as well. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's nice to be back. Uh, Jared. Both of you guys have amazing long hair. Thanks. Um, so do you find that that kind of has that wonderful kind of bandy feel? Do you kind of feel like you have to keep that? We feel pretty bandy. Yeah. <laughs> you look pretty bandy. It's pretty good when you're playing. You're rocking the curls. Yep. You've got the straight. Yeah. You know. And now she's getting married in a couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm. She's doing marriage stuff. Well, so, good things come out of podcasts and with Echo Park. Coming on as a guest. Yeah, very good. It's good fun. Now tell us, you. Uh, we'll get to the real cruxy, meaty music stuff uh, sooner or later, but uh, let's talk about cricket. You're, you're a big cricket fan. You wear the white trowel and you rub the cricket ball up and down. I do like, I do like a red mark on my whites. That's good. <laughs> I, never, I, I never knew where that tradition came from, rubbing the cricket ball against the groin area. I don't know if it works or not, but apparently it looks good. Jared, you're a bit of a cricket. What were you, a batter or a bowler back in the day at school? Uh, all rounder, really. I, I kind of, yeah. Stop yeah. it, stop. Yeah, yeah. I've got all. I actually, I actually do have all the gear in the closet locked away, um, but I don't have any red stains on my trousers. No, that's good to hear. But uh, one time I had, might have had some brown stains. But <laughs> Facing a fast bowler or something. Or they using brown balls back in the day. Yeah, I remember doing some commentary for cricket once upon a time. Eh? That was quite enjoyable. Yeah, different look at the uh, the tiny tots, was it? Dream, really. That's sort of the next life. That's what I'd, I'd come back of as a, a commentary uh, team member for the Australian commentary team. I think that's what I would do. 
what are your what are your diet predictions for the World Cup, uh, which is kicking off soon, Mister Nick? How are we looking? The Black Caps will win, and and we'll play South Africa in the final in Melbourne, which is where it'll be no matter what. But it'll be New Zealand, South Africa, and I don't even I don't think Australia will make the quarters. Brave words, Brave words, yeah, yeah, big words. Um, and I have to kind of agree with you there because I, I've never seen New Zealand look so good in the three decades that I've been following the New Zealand team. I never have seen them have such a successful year as they have in, in recent. Ross is back. Oh, we played a few minnow teams lately, to be fair. Nothing real testing. And yeah, a couple of years ago, Sri Lanka was whopping us in Pakistan. We, we took care of Pakistan. What, six, six wickets in hand? Yeah. Um, that unheard of, unheard of 20 years ago. Seven actually, we won by seven. So yesterday. So it's been a good, it's been sort of a good year on the cricket front, which is very exciting. I'm totally faking it because I know nothing about cricket, so I'll just throw something in the mix. But okay, so we're picking New Zealand and South Africa in the final. That's what I'm picking, yeah. Okay, Nick D from Echo Park, you heard it here, that's his first prediction. Okay, your next thing you're involved with was with Joe Walsh, the singer from Echo Park. Good, good, honcho, buddy. Um, You guys did a challenge to find the best beaches in Auckland, was it? Tell us more about that. Uh, Yeah, there was was a list on the Herald uh, website, so we... Um, we decided to do as many as we could um, and we did uh, the best ones I'd say was we um, enjoyed Long Bay they were all ones we hadn't been to before so Long Bay Myrangi Bay um, I went to a beach in uh, Waiheke which I keep forgetting but it was pretty awesome I'd rate that as my swim of the summer um, Piha Kari Kari um, I was down home uh, at my folks in Te Awamutu and I did Raglan which was very good um, and uh, what was the other one? Oh, Point Chev. We did Point Chev because it's just down the road and we went paddleboarding. It was, it was great. Point Chev is a lot better. They've dumped a whole lot of sand there and turned it into a proper beach. Really good. It's looking more Waikiki these days on Point Chev. Except when the tide's up. But. Yeah. No, that's good. Um, you didn't get to Ladies Bay? Because, uh, you know, we're like a good little bit of nudie spotting. Do you, do you know why it's called Ladies Bay? I would say we named after the, the ladies down at the bay. Once upon a time, eh, in Auckland, when people didn't have togs or, or swimmers or whatever, ladies would go and bathe down there naked. Yeah, and so it was just for ladies only. That's a true story. I remember at school, there used to be just be old guys hanging out there. It wasn't that fun. That's what I've, I've never been to a nudist beach, but I hear that. I hear that's generally what happens. <laughs> You're usually disappointed. <laughs> it's always it's always is down there. Um, but I'm talking way back in the twenties, eh? like twenties, thirties, yeah. Well, it's always you can always spot the drummer in a nudist beach, can you? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got his sticks out. <laughs> nice, uh, especially ones that play cricket. Red stains on the, uh, hey, the old track. Uh, this is the stick up. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. All right. Prediction number two. So the best beach out of that one, uh, Nick D. Your your pick for Auckland, 2015. Nice. Best beach. Carry uh, Carry is always the best beach, but best swimming beach. Um, Oh, apart from Waiheke, because I mean, there's lots of beaches in Waiheke, and I just can't remember the name. I would go Long Bay was my best, best my best one. It was nice and mellow. Tide was in. It was good. Long Bay, not not one nudie there. No, Long Bay is good. It's a classic beach. We used to go there a lot as as kids. Uh, moving right along now, we've done the uh, the beaches and the and the cricket balls. Uh, now we're talking about to Echo Park, your latest single, which is called Always Something, Never Nothing. Yes. How's that been going? What's been happening with the band? Good. Um, that that song was uh, we we put that out just after, oh, just before Christmas, 
and then we went really well and since then we've just been writing and been back in the studio so on the way here I was listening to we got just got a new master back for our new song which is going to come out very soon um, and we'll have that out before Homegrown which we're playing in March and we've got a few more things on the go um, over the next couple of weeks that we'll announce soon and but yeah new music's on its way as well but always something never nothing's done done great so it had a good response and got a little bit of radio play and it's that was good it was nice yeah that was a good tune and are you guys bring out any merchandise like um, um, you know like wristbands you know Echo Park oh, Rick, Echo Park singlets we have singlets I'm wearing mine today um, we'll have to sort you one out and uh, but uh, yeah we, we don't have wristbands we've been talking about some different ideas maybe mugs well, mugs could be good um, wristbands could be right hats could be good Anything that accessories are good. I like beach towels. I think you should have cricket hats. Cricket, yeah. Yeah, well, because you're right into cricket, and then you've got Echo Park, and you've got the Cricket Park Echo. (laughs) I don't know. It's an idea. It's all packaging, eh? Let's go, mate. Echo Park Cricket Sweater. The cricket. The, we could play some cricket world cup because I'm sure my band would love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Play cricket with the. And what about those? Remember in the old days in the 80s, they used to have the rage was to having those, those wristbands that used to soak up sweat. Yes. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those ones, like the tennis ones, the tennis yeah, wristbands. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, a few bands used to have those, especially the drummers. Mate, we could we could sort your whole merchandise line out for you just sort right here. Sort the paraphernalia. <laughs> <laughs> Get some free entry into the cricket world cup. That, that is a good gig though. Um, now you guys played down the line at New Plymouth as well in the last year was it at a tattoo gig yeah. convention the international tattoo festival which we've uh the tattoo and art festival we've played a couple of years now and um no it's a great day we played with uh, some really good bands and um sort of a few heavy bands and a few punk bands and and we we sort of played a few songs in the middle of the afternoon and joe got a new tattoo he got an alvis on his arm and last year last year he got a bowie so uh, alvis and bowie so it was it was a good day it was uh Lots of the cars and good times, and the Seekers were playing. If, if you remember the, the old folk, they were playing in Bowl of Brooklyn's, and we were playing in a, in a tent across the road. So that was that was a good mix of audiences around New Plymouth. Wow, what a name to be associated with, the Seekers. Yeah, yeah. Now, unless we're on a nudist beach, Nick, I'm, I'm looking at you, and I'm I'm, thinking, I'm not seeing any tattoos on you. No, I don't have any tattoos. No. Are you, are you the only person in the band who doesn't uh, have tattoos? I am now, because Callum just got he got one at the tattoo fest, <laughs> and, and and he just got a new one yesterday. I understand. So. Now, if if yeah. I'm just putting it if there, if you were to get a tattoo, what what inclination do you think you might head towards a, a, a pop star like Elvis or yeah. David Bowie or, or someone else completely different, or is it completely? It would it would probably be musicy, but I, I don't know. Maybe a record player or something. Cool. Maybe I won't put a name to someone in case I don't like them one day. But yeah, but no, no, do that. It, but it would be a, a it would be a time place thing. I don't know. Maybe tattoo festival next year. Uh, yeah. We'll 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 come up with a cool plan. It'll be good. Pressure's on. Pressure's on for you, Nick D. Bit of merchandising there, eh? Skin merchandising. Skin. How many Echo Park tattoos, you reckon? Re- removable ones. Temporary ones. Yeah, yeah. Joe's got, a, Joe's got a real Echo Park tattoo, which is pretty cool. So I can get one of those. Maybe I'll just get a big ACDC or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> across your back. Splashed across your back. He could get an ACTC DC tramp stamp. Or, or a cricket bat. Or New Zealand Entertainment Podcast one. We could get one. Yeah, a Kiwi. A Kiwi. <laughs> I get ACDC, but instead of the lightning bolt, I get a I get a GM cricket bat. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, before we go, Stone Dogs is a, is a project that you've sort of been banding around. Is that word again, bandy? Banding around, and uh, we just want to know what the dealio is with Stone Dogs, and whether or not the Echo Park Boys know that you're doing this thing. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty much me and my buddy Kyle. Um, we used to be in a band together in Hamilton, of all places. And uh, we both moved to Auckland and we just kept jamming and we just naturally jam heavy stuff because he plays heavy guitar and I like hitting drums really loud. So we just kind of recorded at home and, and we've been asked to do a few shows, so we're playing some shows this Feb, which will be a bit of fun. But uh, it is what it is. There's no words. It's just riffs and drums and we try to make it sound good with our little recording uh, devices at home. But yeah. So, so nice. the genre is obviously different, eh? but it, it sounds awfully like what jazz bands do. Eh? There's often no singer. So how does it feel not having the front man take all the heat? It's good. It was. Um, we've actually played one show, and it was. It was. It was in a small uh, place in Newmarket called Lucha Lounge, which was great. Uh, but we know. We know. The, we know the Lucha Lounge intimately. It's a great place. But the only, the only thing we weren't prepared for is at the end. Is obviously we don't have any mics, and we got a few claps, and we're thinking, well, what do you do? Do you just wave or stand up? <laughs> yeah. But um. Yeah. So now it's going to be interesting. We're playing this. Uh, we're playing a thing at the King's Arms in a few weeks. Um, and one of the dogs bollocks, so we'll have to work out our stage, our front man skills. Just before this interview, we were talking about, you know, can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? But there is, there definitely seems to be a word theme here, eh? And, and I would say it's dogs. <laughs> Stone dogs, dogs Stone bollocks. Dogs. It's dogs bollocks, the dog beach. Ladies bay. I like dogs. Yep. And there was a dog in your video too. That was yeah. Awesome. yeah, in the uh, Simpatico video. He's a pretty cool dog. Yeah. Man, this is like interesting, eh? Because that friend of yours got a, a David Bowie, and and the dog's called Ziggy. Yeah. And yeah. Ziggy Stardust, David yeah. Bowie. Yeah. Now, how intentional? How come we had to get the dog Ziggy in the, in the Simpatico video? Well, Ziggy's a big fan. He listens to all our all our recordings, and uh, probably hears a lot of our songs get written. So we thought he deserves to be in the yeah. video. He's a captive audience, eh? Yeah. You might say. Yeah. Excellent. Nick D from Echo Park and the Stone Dogs. Thanks for coming to talk to us today. Mate, thanks very much. Good fun. Awesome. Awesome fun. Um, so who are you picking for the cricket again? New Zealand. New Zealand, of course. At, at Melbourne against South Africa. I'm going to have to make a note of that. Um, yep. Definitely. And Ziggy's the man, the dog, with the most. He's got the good taste. What about third and fourth? Aussie, England? No. Look in India somewhere? I would, I would go sh- um, like a Sri Lanka. Yeah, maybe England. Yeah, I reckon. Maybe, yeah. We're gonna have to get. Hey, you guys have to play with your qu- cricket whites on on stage, bro, for the Stone Dogs. Totally, yeah. In your whites. You could do like the Tui catch of the match. You could just throw the ball, you know, whack it out the end of the audience. In your whites, yeah. <laughs> and you'll win at Echo Park singlet or something cool like that. Yeah, we will have to do that. Yeah, catch of the match. <laughs> Stone Dogs and Middle Stump. Now, uh, Doctor Who's coming here. Are you guys big Doctor Who fans? A little bit, yeah. I saw it was coming in, and I and I don't too, know too much about the show, but I'm guessing it's a live. Is it a live? Yep. Cybermen. It's got all the all the villains from Doctor Who live on the stage as well. And it's going to have time travel. Yes, the TARDIS will be there. Daleks. Yes, Daleks will be there. There's actually Daleks on there. New Zealand Symphony Orchestra is playing the music, and Peter Davison is the Doctor from the '80s who's coming. He's not the you know well, he's not Matt Smith or David Tennant. Sink or swim guy. Yeah. Yeah. Remember him from that. That's yeah. right. And all creatures grown as small. You, Steve. Yeah. 
Well, we caught up with them recently at Mission Bay, um, where the TARDIS just dropped in out of the sky, and uh, lucky to have a little five-minute interview with them. Um, coming up next, thanks, Nick. Talk to you soon. Awesome. Thanks very much, guys. Okay, um, knock knock. <laughs> Who's there? Doctor. Doctor what? Um, <laughs> now, this is the first time I've actually seen that joke, but not to a real Doctor Who. So uh, welcome Peter Davison to New Zealand Cure. Very good. It's very good to see you. And like Andrew was saying before, somebody from my childhood as well. That I've grown up with as well. I mean, obviously you came after Tom Baker, who was kind of crazy and insane with his scarf, and then you popped up with your cricket garb on. What was the idea behind the cricket gear? Well, the producer said to me, uh, um, we need something that's much younger, but that's eccentric. So I said, well, how about cricket? Because it seems to be quite an eccentric game. Certainly in, in America, I, I've always battled to make them understand how it works. Um, so I thought it was a rather good idea. Uh, I didn't design the costume myself or have any input. I just suggested the cricketing theme. Uh, but I thought it worked quite well. Is there enough doctors in your household? I mean, I believe your daughter's married to David Tennant. How does that work when you've got two doctors in one household? Well, it's, I think it's rather nice, really. We, I, think, I think part of the reason that uh, my daughter got together with David was that she, she wasn't really intimidated by the idea of him as the doctor. I think, he, I think people found it quite difficult. You know, he was such an iconic figure and he was such a brilliant doctor that I think people, he, uh, maybe girls he met were a bit kind of, oh. Whereas Georgia, of course, just to her, it was nothing new. Her dad was Doctor Who. So it was, uh, uh, um, I, th I thought it might happen, I must admit. And indeed it did. Maybe that's because I'm the Doctor and we have a connection somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> so who pulls rank and file and uh, out of you two? Oh, I think, I think there's a mutual respect. I think, uh, um, I think he, uh, he would probably pretend to defer to me, but in reality probably doesn't at all. <laughs> If Doctor Who, if the TARDIS was ever to land in New Zealand, do you think this would be a good place down here by the fountain in Mission Bay? <laughs> I actually, as far as Doctor Who is concerned, I think probably there are better places because it's such a, an amazing natural landscape you have in, the, in this country that you could pick almost anywhere in New Zealand and, and it would seem like possibly an alien landscape or at least very beautiful. Um, here is very nice, but I don't know about the... It would certainly attract attention if the TARDIS materialised here, I'd say that. It's also a good place for Time Lords to hang out like we are. Um, I used to like the Weeping Angels, they're one of my favourite. Obviously the scariest one, and there was a, um, uh, a Sally Sparrow episode David Tennant did with the Weeping Angels. Uh, and I can't remember, but it was the Weeping Angels are so scary. But they're not, it's more like a, a scare factor, they just come up behind you. Boom. Well, that's the brilliant thing about it. I think it was Blink. Was it Blink, the first one? Blink. Um, and it, uh, well, the brilliant thing about it is, of course, is that they don't do anything. I mean, <laughs> it's the most brilliant concept. They just move when you're not looking at them. And so, um, uh, yeah, very, very scary. But Stephen Moffat's speciality is to take the most innocent uh, uh, and yet common thing that's around us and terrify us with it. So I remember after the Weeping Angels, uh, he said to me, I've thought of another great idea. Just like, you know, in a, in a house, an old house, yeah. there'll be like a crack in the wall. He said, I figured a way to make that really terrifying. <laughs> and indeed he did. A crack in time. Yeah, yeah, a crack in the wall. Okay. Yeah, right. Um, now, uh, assistants. I mean, Tom Baker had a few in his, in his tenure. Uh, Dave Tenner had a few, about three. 
Paul, Catherine Cookson, uh, who else is there? Uh, Karen Gallagher, Billy Piper as well, of course. Yeah. How about yourself? Who was the f your favourite um, Doctor Who assistant? Well, I started off with three, Adric, Nissa and Tegan. Um, I always kind of liked Nissa, actually, because she was she was the least uh, horrible to the Doctor. <laughs> I mean, uh, I also had Turla, who was trying to kill me. Uh, Tegan, who didn't really want to be there. Adric always wanted to get back to eSpace. Uh, Nissa was really the only one who liked having the Doctor around. Although, looking back on it, I think that all the were all very nice. I, I managed to blow up Adric at the end of Earthshock, uh, and uh, Tegan, uh, um, who is very sweet. I'm still, I'm still very friendly with Janet um, back in Britain. Um, they were all, they were all good, really. I think it was nice. It's nice. In their own special way. In their own special way. But the only one, sadly, because I was a younger doctor, and they were very concerned there might be hanky panky in the TARDIS. I wasn't, I wasn't allowed to cuddle any of the companions except for Adric. So I wasn't allowed to put my arm around, even in a comforting mode. Uh, for fear that they might think that there was something else going on. Well, you're kind of lucky because all Tom Baker had was canine. That's true. I, I wouldn't want to cuddle canine in any circumstance. <laughs> Peter Davison, lovely to talk to you. Enjoy your time in New Zealand. We'll look forward to the show. Thank you very much. Uh, well, Jared's just gone off to uh, wherever he's gone. In the meantime, we have uh, Fred from Splore Festival. And I'm going to try and pronounce your last name, but maybe you could tell it, say your last name for us. Kublikowski. Kublikowski. Fred Kublikowski, who's the event producer from Splore Festival. Welcome, Fred. Thank you. Hi. Hey, thanks for coming on here. We really... Um, I mean, Splore's everywhere now, I suppose over the last couple of years, like you're saying, two years ago, three years ago, you've grown comfortably to a good size, but the brand is also, and the profile of the festival is getting bigger and more and more people are starting to take notice of Splore. Yeah, definitely, it's happening every year. We've, we're, um, we're limited by the numbers of people we can have on the site, um, so the, the festival itself really can't grow, but the profile is certainly growing. And um, when you have a, a, a unique event like Explorers, and particularly uh, 2014 was uh, incredibly successful. Everyone that was there just went home and raved about it. So I think, um, yeah, certainly more and more people are hearing about it and are curious about what happens there. Yes, indeed. Um, also, the quality of artists that are performing there is getting more and more uh, more better. The quality of it's getting up there now. You know, I mean, there, there are a lot of festivals around the world will probably have some of these artists, uh, but not only artists, but you've got performers as well, because it's not all about music. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Splores are uh, essentially a music festival with with a lot of trimmings and bells and whistles. So uh, there is a, a, a stellar lineup of local and international bands and DJs, and like you said, uh, artists that wouldn't be out of place on major festival lineups uh, internationally, um, but also artists who you may not have initially heard of, uh, Splore, uh, festival director John Minty who takes care of all the musical bookings and he curates the, the, the music content. He's very good at picking artists who will deliver a fantastic show and bringing them out to New Zealand for the first time and there are certain a, a number of international artists who made their New Zealand debut at Splore at some time or another who have um, gone on to great fame and now appear um, all over the world as well as in New Zealand and solo shows and etc. So um, yes, certainly the calibre of artists, uh, performers and musicians Yes, there's a lot of performance content, uh, there's visual arts, there's a lot of uh, kids content, and there's a lot of content that's hard to categorise. Um, 
uh, that you know we we, we, we we know will delight and surprise the audience um, who are there you know for the for the for the weekend um, so yeah we we, we we look out for the for the for the performances and the and the happenings I guess that will, will that will catch people's eye and they'll have something to go home and talk about are you into music yourself yeah very much so that's good. Now, I remember a couple of years ago you had Lupe Fiasco, and I was bummed out I, I didn't get to see Lupe Fiasco play. Um, last year, Alice Russell uh, was meant to come, but unfortunately she uh, couldn't make it in the end. Um, so, uh, yeah, she got pregnant. Yeah, at the time we had um, Alice Russell build, um, and we'd, re- we'd released the lineup featuring Alice Russell. And um, uh, John received a, a private email from her management saying, "Don't panic, but for uh, family reasons, uh, Alice has uh, is, will be unable to make it to Splore." Uh, unfortunately, we were unable to. Re- she hadn't personally made an announcement that she was um, with child at the time, um, so we couldn't actually tell our audience when we when we cancelled her from the bill um, or we could say that she was uh, for personal reasons she had to withdraw and I know there were a few people who were a little bit disappointed but um, I think the, the the rest of the lineup certainly made up for it um, it would have been wonderful to have Alice Russell explore she's she's in that top 10 of performers that uh, you can sort of identify as being the the ideal act um, Roy Ayers, who's playing this year, is, is another one. You know, there's there's nothing, nothing more magical than you know. They, I can't imagine anything more magical than seeing Roy Ayers playing on the floor main stage on the beach at Tapapakanga. You know, performing his his hit. It's, you know, love the sunshine. Nice. And also, you got a hot young wee lass, uh, R&B lass called Tanashi. Tanasha. Tanashi. Um, yeah, she's making a lot of like Nashi. Yeah, like Nashi, but with a tune. Yeah, Tanashi's making waves around the world. She's been um, lauded as the new Beyonce and all sorts of things. She's just done a, well, she's in the process of doing a, a, an enormous world, a solo world tour. We're lucky enough to have been able to nab her for Splore um, in the middle of her world tour. Um, if anyone's out there following her on social media, she's certainly getting up to a lot of hijinks and delivering some incredible shows. Um, I personally, I'm not familiar with Tanashi. I've not seen her live, but um, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what she brings to Splore. Another great band I'm thinking of is a Kiwi band headed by Samuel Flynn Scott called The Phoenix Foundation, which is kind of an interesting... Um, a choice to be playing at the festival, maybe I'm, I'm, I stand to be corrected. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a music expert, but uh, I, I could just say you could just say that you know, Splore's lineup is hard to categorise. Um, yes, we certainly lean towards a soulful, um, more soulful sound. So, uh, you know, and then that's the DJs and the the live acts that are that that, that are booked, but. Um, I wouldn't categorise Phoenix Foundation as any sort of particular genre either, so they're 
both the event and the band would be as uncategorizable as each other and therefore probably a perfect fit. I'm personally a big fan of Phoenix Foundation and I think, um, again, as much as Trinity Roots and a Hori Buzz who are returning again this year, um, I I think they are... They are a great fit for sport. Oh, yeah, that's a good lineup to see. And that's just like part of it, maybe just a minuscule percentage of what you've actually got on offer as well. Um, uh, let's see, I was just going to say, uh, there'd be nothing like watching Trinity Roots and seeing the view of the beach when they're performing, uh, I think, uh, for me. And I think also the Phoenix Foundation as well. It's going to be another highlight for me as well. Um, Fred, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming in. Uh, the event uh, producer from Sport Festival. Uh, we'll see you at the festival. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, right now, we have a very special Hold or Fold episode. We're going to try and knock out three movies. Jared? Yes, we are. Well, here we go. In, in three minutes. What's the first one? Okay. The well, first one I'm going to be reviewing is the latest movie. Um, and I've forgotten what it was. Theory of Everything. And the second one? Fifty Shades or Fifty Shades of Grey. Or don't associate Fitty with this movie, please. <laughs> Fitty's way better than this movie. Oh, don't want to let anything out. Spoiler alert. And what's the third one? Uh, the third one we're going to be looking at is a new uh, uh, X plus Y movie. Fantastic little uh, gem of a pearl of a film. BBC gem, this one, yeah. English all the way. Very, very pommy-like. Okay. Well, English and Chinese. Actually. And let's go off now. We're going to start the timer starting from now. The Theory of Everything. Jared, uh, you're calling this one because you saw this one without me. Hello. Hello. Science. Arts. I'm a cosmologist. What's that? I study the marriage of space and time. The perfect couple. Oh, this is a great film. It's uh, obviously it's a film about Stephen Hawking, um, who's brilliant, uh, one of the brilliant minds of the world. Historically, he'll go down in history as being one of the best. He still is. He's alive still. He's not like dead. No, he's passed away. Okay, and yes, yes. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's. Stop the clock. Let's Stop look the clock. Let's the check clock. the mail. Let's check it out. Let me have a look on the computer. <laughs> yes, Stephen Hawking's a dead. <laughs> you rub it on. You rub it on. Let me, let me talk okay, to you. Okay, I'm, 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 oh, yeah. okay, I'm starting the, st- the right. timer now. Here we okay. go. Go for it. Dead or alive. Okay. Eddie Redman, and you might know this young actor from uh, movies such as Lame Miz, where he played the love interest. I'm Cor- Googling his name. For Corsette. <laughs> Hawking's got an I-N-G. Yes, Stephen with a P-H, not a V. Uh, and Hawking, no S on the end, of course. Um, a fantastic movie. The highlight for me, I mean, is this young actor. Um, Says he's 73. Yeah, and he's, he's passed away. See, that's got his death age there. See, from here to there. Okay. Oh. What, did you see it? Are you just are you just agreeing? I'm pretty sure he died. But anyway, this is not about Stephen Hawking. This is about the movie about Stephen Hawking. He's still got a website up. <laughs> He's back from the dead. Dead man walking. I mean, uh, no, no, dead hey, man in a wheelchair. Of course, it brings up some of the famous things. You know, his his famous equation, which measured time and and the universe, etc. But he's also got a book in there that that uh, gets a mention. How can he write a book when he's dead? <laughs> um, maybe before he died. Um. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's all, right. all about Stephen Hawking, and um, but it's just—it's a wonderfully acted and told story. Now I know Stephen Hawking in a wheelchair, but there's a show before before the wheelchair. The, the irony is because, of course, we all know Stephen Hawking as the American-sounding computer. My Hello. name is Stephen Hawking. 
And it's like Leffa from Taxi. Yeah, but the irony is, and the film does allude to this, uh, it does highlight it, is that he's obviously English and he, he studied at Cambridge and that's where he made his famous equation. Um, but, of course, he goes through, what, what's his disease? Um, a body... Um, yep. A body crippling disease which leaves him basically from the head up, yeah. uh, from the head down, paralysed. Um, and, and then he loses his speech too, what speech he did have. And, and of course, he gets given a, a machine which speaks for him, but it's in an, an yeah, let's wrap it up. It's coming up. In an American accent. I was just about to wrap that up, by the way. Yep. Um, <laughs> but some, some great acting. And, and <laughs> of course, Eddie. Eddie Redman is up this for This is going to last you longer than a hold or fold normal yeah. one. Felicity Jones, brilliant work from her. Yeah, let's go hold or fold. Apparently. Oh, it's a hold, hold. I give it, you know, if we're doing stars, four, four and a half. Let's go Hawking. Out of five. It's debatable Hawking. whether he's dead or yeah, alive. Yeah, go and see it. Go and see okay. it. Okay, now uh, this, this next film is kind of, kind of controversial because it's uh, the, the 2011 book, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, did really well worldwide, but the film apparently is a bit of a fizzle. Well, you were saying it's a bit cringe. It's like oh. taking your mum to the movies and well, with her in the room. No, and no, no, no. It was like taking your grandmum to the movie. This, this movie is uh, on the lines of these wooshy, gushy... Um, Oh, what, what's cheesy, cheesy yeah. love story? Cheesy BDM. Um, S&M move. S&M, B&D, all of this, all of the above. B&B, it's quite good. So this is just an interview for the newspaper. I just have a couple of questions. Mr. Gray, we'll see you now. Uh, this movie was torture. It's about torture, uh, and, you know, in the love sense and the sex sense. And he's got this—he's got this really, this billionaire kind of loser, really, who's got this psychological meltdown going on. Um, who wants to find his perfect mistress, uh, and he does by way of Don Johnson's daughter. Yeah, 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 Jay, and yeah, he does. But honestly, this movie for me was torture watching it. I had to choose: do I make an excuse to run to the bathroom? Do I take the pens out of my pockets and stab my eyes so I don't have to watch anymore? Or do I just cringe through the whole movie? Um, you texted me after the movie and said, this movie will pass into oblivion. Only 13-year-olds will think this is cool. But unfortunately for them, there's too much skin to let them in. Now, um, you, you mentioned there's a bit of, uh, bit of fisting going on in the movie, uh, anal fisting. Can we beep that out? Can we say anal fisting? Or you just said it. but You said it. Just beep something out. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just, it, vaginal fisting as well, but we don't see any of that kind of thing. This is like it's cringe. I, I made a comment that I'd, I'd rather watch John Key getting it on with one of the um, seven dwarfs. Uh, I would find that more entertaining than watching this film. Uh, I would rather watch Don Johnson and Melanie Griffiths get on back again for for old times' sake. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but look, talking about my, it felt my grandmother wasn't there, but it felt like I was watching it with my grandmother. It was just embarrassing. I was cringing. It was like the only thing that kept it alive was was Don Johnson's daughter, her acting, yeah. particularly her funny little lines. But I think the other the the man interest, the billionaire, um, psycho, Jamie Dornan, yeah, yeah, Jamie Dornan. Now apparently he's a good Irish actor, but um, he was a good Irish actor given a horrible role, including um, fisting. And heaven help us all if this has success like those vampire trollop movies. Um, bring back the vampires. Heck, I th- never thought I'd say that. But um. But look, heaven help us all if if 
B&D catches on because of this terrible movie. I don't think it will. I was sitting with a bunch of girls here and there and they thought it was going to be great. Um, and honestly, when it says you can come into the theatre now, everyone rushed into the theatre, but not as quickly as they rushed out of the theatre because it was it was such... Oh. I would find it very difficult trying to explain it, anal yeah. fisting to my grandmother. Yeah, they mentioned it and honestly, his lines, they were supposed to be... They were supposed to be serious, but they were just so humorous because they were so dorky. Um, Here's another one of your quotes that you texted me saying, imagine watching John Key getting it on with one of Snow White's dwarfs. (laughs) Um, I mean, that would be less cringe and certainly more entertaining. I mean, there's a a review right there that you just text me after the movie. Yes, that was hot off the press, Mol. Hold or fold, Jared? Hold them or fold them? Please fold this movie up into seven ways and shove it where the sun doesn't shine because... Because it really, really should be snuffed out. I can't imagine what they were thinking when they decided this would be a February 14th Valentine's Day release. They're crazy. This is not romance. This is not even bromance. This is not even fistmance because it makes it it makes pornography embarrassing. <laughs> I, 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 I hear what you're saying. I can feel the sentiment coming through your handcuffs and feel the duster. Um, so have we got any whip noises we can end in this one on? Oh, yeah. yeah. Rawhide. Okay, the last movie oh. of the week. Yes. Oh, I was going to oh, say, okay. yeah, there is five minutes of drama. Five minutes before the movie ends. Apart from that, it's just... Bleh, 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 bleh. Okay, uh, Grammy, actually, I'm quite tempted to see it, just quietly. Just because I've said I that. Might take the blindfold off for it. Might take the blindfold off for it. Take... Take um, someone you don't like. Yeah. Um, my grandma? No, I can't like it. Um, and now the last movie we want to see is uh, X plus Y, which is quite a gemma movie, and you actually described it quite well. Say, Dark Horse, chess is the Dark Horse. What this movie is to mathematics? It, it is, but of course, like Dark Horse, it's not real. Mathematics is the catalyst, as is as is the chess game. Why don't you walk properly? I've got multiple sclerosis. Why are you weird? I've got special powers. Nathan is on the spectrum. Traits of autism. He's a unique young man. You have successfully earned a place on the United Kingdom mascot. Oh my goodness! I'm going to go and study. I'd really like to carry on teaching Nathan. Really? If that's all right with you. <laughs> this is really a coming of age film, but it's more than just coming of age. It's, it's really a... It's coming to grips with who you are. Of course, this kid um, is being tutored by a former maths whiz who suffers from MS, and kind of he took a slide. Rafe Spall, brilliant. Yeah, and this boy, who is a mathematical genius, also suffers from uh, another condition. What was the condition? Um, a bit of autism with something loopy in there. Autism, and if you're not sure what that is, just think Rain Man. Yeah. Um, but he's not as bad as you know, he's not as chronic. He didn't go full retard. Okay, so. But it's coming of age. He's learning. He, he he's learning to deal with his own life. Played wonderfully for this movie. I thought the direction and the editing and the, the whole ensemble was just well done. There's some really good moments in there. Yeah. Now Rafe Spall, who's the the, the son of Timothy Spall, plays a brilliant part as a as the teacher or the mentor of the young kid who's got MS, multiple sclerosis, and he he's hooked on addicted to drugs and everything, and he ends up uh, overcoming a few demons himself. Yeah, very much like the Dark Horse story. Yeah. Uh, I would have to say it's a contemporary movie with that although The Dark Horse may have come out a bit earlier but they're so similar but they're not the same they're different movies now, if you wanted to see the, the biggest classroom with a f- full of the, the 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 biggest room full of teenage nerds this is the movie you go see these nerds for Africa on this geeks and freaks yeah. Huh? Yeah, it would have been fun casting these guys eh? yeah. 
Um, so, yeah, it does take us... Incidentally, it's shot once again at Cambridge. A lot of it's in Cambridge, yeah. where, where of course, Stephen Hawking's uh, movie was shot. Nice little touch point. Yeah. yeah. So, they're obviously a very busy ground, very famous. And nice to go to um, Taiwan as well. Yeah. We do a lot of shooting over there where, where they go to a mass training camp. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it does um, it well. There's only like no, hardly any girls there as well. Well, there's one girl, and that's all you need. About 50 guys. That's all you need, unlike... Um, Raging hormones. 50 Shades of Grey or 50 Shades of Shame, <laughs> 50 Shades of Cringe. I'm sure mathematics would argue um, that one. There'd be more than 50. The one girl is enough, and... Um, oh, well, 50 Shades is only one girl as well. But 50 the, theories they would come up with. Yeah, so... Now, I like the kid. He meets a girl, and she's Chinese. It's great. This film is about integration, interracial relationships. I like the well. kid's gawky, autistic nature, well well acted, and also like the the best blubbering part I've seen in a movie for a long time, where he, he cries and opens up to his oh, mum. Yeah, yeah, without spoiling it. You know, that, that's a film I would go and see that film happily with my grandmother, without any awkward but, but explanations. Having, having said that, having said that, it's a this film is more for me, much more a film for the 14th of February, Valentine's Day. This, okay. is, this is a little cool little love story as well. Let's go for a hold of fold. What's this one? I'm, I'm holding this one definitely. What are you holding? Yeah. I, I, I'm off. You, you've put the whip down? Yes. Good. Uh, hold this film. Go and see it. Take a friend. Take someone you like. It's, it's really, really well done. It's really good. Um, you'll see the similarities between uh, The Dark Horse uh, and this film. Um, but go and see it. It's, it's a beautiful film. Well done. Well done, BBC. Way better than Fifty Shades. We 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 unanimously agree. Yeah, Fifty Shades, Fifty Shames of Grey. Yeah. All right, that's it. Thank you, Jared. We'll talk to you soon. Good, and hit that bomb and kaboom.